good for our platform to make these low stakes error because it shows people that we're very human, we are just like you. Two, it's really good for engagement to do like a low stakes error. Welcome to Crawford Media, the podcast that speaks to the most interesting people in news. My name is Hal Crawford. This week's conversation is with Lucy Blackiston, the 24-year-old driving force behind Shit You Should Care About, or Siska for short. You'll hear the history of Siska during the interview, but as you can probably tell from the name, it's aimed at a younger demographic, and it's doing incredibly well. Lucy is based in New Zealand, her audience is global, and the energy she brings to her project is deeply impressive. I'm Lucy Blackiston, and I run Shit You Should Care About. Could you explain what it is? Yeah, so it's a little bit of everything. I think in essence, it is a media platform publication that helps people understand the world around them. And Harry Styles makes lots of features and they talk about the news. How deep do you want me to go on what we do? Well, this is for a media audience, this podcast. So you can really go as deep as you like. So we'll Maybe we'll start at the beginning. In 2018, I was sitting in a lecture theatre with, you know, all my fellow students. I was in my third year of uni and I was in an international relations lecture and I was sort of like, why am I actually, why have I been here for three years and I'm not understanding any of the readings I'm being set, I'm not understanding the news stories that are happening around me. And then I realised it was just because I felt like there was a bit of a disconnect in what I was seeing and the language that was being used and then the language that me and my mates used. So I text my two best friends. We're all from Blenheim, small town New Zealand, and have been best friends since we're about 15, and said, I think we should start something called Shit You Should Care About where we can literally talk about anything and just use words that we all understand, make it bright, make it fun, make the news cool. And so we really thought that this was in 2018 and we really thought it was going to be a blog. It was going to be us writing about three pieces a week. Um, And quite soon into that, we realized we didn't know how to run a blog and we didn't really, we weren't trained in journalism or anything like that. I mean, we all studied the media, but we realized this probably wasn't how we were going to keep going if we wanted to keep this thing going. So one day I just put the information that maybe I would have put on a blog post onto Instagram and at the time that didn't feel it didn't feel that sort of groundbreaking or anything but I think it was at a time when Instagram was purely being used for photos and influencers selling us things and celebrities and putting information on there just felt like a really digestible and easy way to help young people read the news And then fast forward to today and our biggest or my favorite part of the whole sort of company or platform is we write a daily newsletter or I write a daily newsletter every morning that sums up the news for anyone that wants to read it. We have about 60,000 people that read that every day. We have two podcasts, one called The Shit Show, which wraps up the weekly news and one called Culture Vulture which touches on pop culture and all the other things that we love because you should care about is very 
subjective. And then we have 3.6 million people following us on Instagram. We're venturing into TikTok. We're on Twitter. We're just, we meet our audience wherever they need us. The fascinating thing here is the, is that growth in the Instagram account, which allowed you to launch the newsletter Mm -hmm. and and then grab 60,000 people, which is pretty phenomenal. So the Instagram content, so you started that in 2018, having realized Mm -hmm. that the blog um, wasn't wasn't a goer. Tell me about the growth. I mean, because you're at, just to reiterate this, you're at 3.6 million followers on Instagram now, which mm. is phenomenal for, well, anyone. <laughs> it's bananas, eh? It is. It is oh bananas. So, t- so tell me about, did that just take off immediately and where were the audience coming from? It definitely didn't take off immediately. I have always loved I've loved communicating, but I've always loved communicating on social media. So a little bit of background. When I was like 15, I had a Twitter account for One Direction that had about 70,000 followers. And I think that really taught me how to communicate, how to community build. And I think that's where a lot of young people, especially young women, that's where they learn so many skills. Like that's how you learn how to edit photos together, how to build a website, write a blog. I remember reading fan fiction and like editing it in my head thinking, you know, there should be commas here. And, you know, I that's probably how I learned to edit stuff or at least notice that, you know, grammar sort of matters not that I'm very good at it now but yeah I think that was huge but it didn't feel like legitimate skills at the time I would have never put it on a resume you know the fact that I'd learned how to do all these things whereas now I am a big advocate for telling young women especially if you're a fan of things don't feel bad about it don't feel embarrassed it's teaching you really good shit I think I always knew that if I just stuck at it it could be something but that's not to say that it happened quickly at all. So Rubes and Liv, who are still working with Shit You Should Care About today, they're my two best mates, and Liv is our creative director, and Ruby does all our commercial things and partnership things. They just let me run wild with the Instagram for for a few years, and it was just me just I continued it because I loved it I would just read the news of the day and when I felt like things were important or maybe weren't making sense I would try and make sense of them and give them to young people on Instagram and it sort of slowly slowly built up until we reached 2020 and then I like just a bunch of things happened so we had I mean I was meant to move to London and get like a proper big girl job I'd finished uni I couldn't move to London and so I had all this free time and I really honed in on shit you should care about because we were facing a new pandemic that no one understood and I was doing daily no bullshit sort of COVID updates because, again, I had all the time in the world to make sense of this thing. Everyone's locked inside. They needed somewhere to look, bizarrely. It was me that they ended up looking to. Ruby also was going to move to London. She couldn't, so... We were stuck together at home just building this thing. And then we had the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, which was quite a important time, I think, for shit you should care about, especially in me as an editor. It was, okay, we have this quite big community. 
And how can we best serve them and also utilize them? Because when Black Lives Matter really had its resurgence in the States in 2020, it was not about what some random Kiwi thought about all of the events. It was, okay, we have access to all these incredible activists, feet on the ground, they're in our DMs, they're sending me emails. Let's just lift their voices because, you know, not about us, but we did have this platform. And so I, I think in one month, oh, then there was also back to 2020, which I know no one wants to go back to, but the last thing, there was the presidential elections over in the States again, where Donald Trump was hopefully going to get voted out. And then there was also New Zealand elections here. And so everyone was inside needing information and I sort of just made it my job to give them this info. And Purely, this was not a business. This is because I love to do it and it kept me on the pulse. And so we had that just mixture of things that meant at the same time as people were at home needing information, they were also at home wanting to show that they cared about things. And so there was just a lot of sharing going on, Mm. which, I mean, I don't think activism on Instagram, and we're not activists, but we have a lot of activists that we work with and that follow us. I don't know if that is the best way to be an activist. I don't know if there's a best way to be an activist, but I do know that in 2020, when there was not much else you could do, sort of sharing things and petitions and, and you know, helping people figure out how to vote, that was basically as much as we could do. So we were doing it. And then we just... We were quite lucky. I mean, it was a lot of hard work, but then I think celebrities at the same time started seeing our things and resharing them and following us. And with that just came, I think we gained like 800,000 followers in a month. And when we hit a million, you'd think that it would be this like celebration and wow, that's amazing. But actually I spent a week just being so terrified of posting anything, of doing what I once (laughs) felt really comfortable doing because you just can't fathom that audience. And when it grows that quickly, it's sort of like sink or swim. You either rise up to the challenge and think that you can do it or you just have massive imposter syndrome. And I think after a week, I was back to being like, no, I can do this. People love the way we talk about stuff. Let's just keep serving them and see see how far this thing goes. Yeah. So tell me, the audience, where are they from? So 50, I think 50% are from the US. And then I think quite equally are Canada, UK and Australia. And then New Zealand's like, I think like 5% of our followings from New Zealand. Mm. And in those early days, did you make money from Instagram somehow? Oh, no, no. I'm very also protective, I think, over our brand. And so I would just, I would, I feel like we were almost the anti-influencers. You know, we don't show our faces. You don't know who we are. You don't need to. And so I was very aware that we weren't here to sell people things. We're really good at publicizing things. We turned down a lot of, you know, just one-off areas we could have made money because I thought and Rubes agrees our commercial director she was you know the brand shines more if we're not pushing things in people's faces every Mm. two posts Mm. yeah I'm sure that was a very wise long-term strategic decision but it was probably also a gut 
thing as well, was it? Yeah. I, th- I think everything, which is so annoying when people ask how you do things or, you know, you're going to consult for someone and you just want to say, honestly, your gut, your gut is like a muscle that you have to train and trust. And I think after doing this for years, gut instinct is like my best friend because also being really naive and just saying no to a lot of things purely because I don't understand them. And I'm very reluctant to sign a contract or say yes to things when I don't understand it. Yeah. So there's so many things, Lucy, I want to ask you about now, but let me let me ask you about your demographic positioning. So you've got the name shit you should care about. It's got a it's got a bad word in the title. Mm-hmm. Shit. Uh, has that has the shit word ever been a problem for you? Do you know what? It actually hasn't been a problem for us, and I think it, it's always been a no-brainer because we we began this whole, this whole thing began because we wanted to use language that young people are actually using and we really wanted to position ourselves with our mates not above them and so having the word shit in there I mean it was in the very first sort of text it was we should start something called shit you should care about and from then never ever strayed from the name nor sort of the vision and it's almost good if it ever does come up in conversation the very few times that we've been on like breakfast news shows or whatever and and they have to sort of bounce around the title and sometimes if I'm feeling like brave that day it can be a conversation of Mm. you know why aren't we using this word or like you know I just feel like it always just leans into a good conversation about the news maybe being untouchable for young people and yeah. So it's yeah, it's not been a problem, more a more no, interesting talking point. <laughs> yeah, I'm more interested in the should word actually. Should is a word I really generally dislike. Um, yeah. Uh, just there's just too much of it in the world. I know, and maybe a better name with way less oomph is shit you could care about, which <laughs> might reflect more because our whole thing is we give you so many topics so that you feel really really comfortable to just like whatever you like. You know, we talk about climate change and Harry Styles and politics and Formula One. And and so it's it really is a, like, you could, if you want to, <laughs> care about any of these things, should just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, yeah. I've been reading the newsletter and uh, it's your, your obsession with Harry is really intriguing to me. <laughs> I totally understand it if you're going to be obsessed with anyone. Why not, Harry? The demographic targeting. So you're pretty laser focused. Where would you say your audience peaks out, like 25 or 30 or where? No, 80% of our audience is between 18 and 34. So on Instagram we have, I I don't even know the exact number, but I think our biggest audience is between 24 and 34. But interestingly, in the newsletter, it skews younger, I think, about 15 to 24 is definitely our biggest audience in the newsletter, which is so interesting because young people reading newsletters is just real cool to me. And... I think we've never we've never said we have a target audience, but the target audience is it's kind of <laughs> having, easy. Having a target me. audience is almost not the sort of thing that you would do with your target audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just it's whatever I'm interested in or my friends are interested in or TikTok's interested in or you know, I get anywhere from 20 to 100 responses to the newsletter every day, so I can have a pretty good gauge on giving the people 
a good mix of what they want and maybe what they might not have otherwise heard about. So they, the target audience basically just, they form themselves because they are constantly in communication with me. This brings me to one of the things that you and I covered briefly when we met, when we weren't recording the conversation, (laughs) which is, which is your personal contribution to shit you should care about and, and the fact that you write everything. So, so tell me about, tell me about your week. Like what's it look like? (laughs) So my week is every morning I get up at 5am if I haven't been good to myself and prepped the night before or 6am if I've prepped the newsletter the night before and I write the daily newsletter every week morning and that's lovely because then that's out in the world by 7am and then I bike to work. I have a little bit of like no no work time while I'm on that bike ride which is almost like the only no work time sometimes I get in a day and then I get in the office and that's where we do any partnerships that we're working on or you know I need to write my sort of talking points for the two podcasts that I'll be recording that week so I'll record Culture Vulture on a Tuesday which is our pop culture podcast and the shit show on a Oh, on a Thursday morning at 6am because I do it with my brother who also has another job. So, you know, got to prep those scripts. In the week, I'm also having to make content for Instagram and TikTok and also just answer a lot of a lot of our readers' emails because I find it very important to have that connection. And people often, may, may, maybe people think that's a waste of time, but for us, it's just incredibly important to the to the brand and to our future readers and and people that will grow up to become supporters of us that we have that connection with them I'll do some other you know boring emails and I'll do our like accounting on zero and make sure everything's like balancing Mm. out it's just everything I do Mm. a bit of everything with a massive help from Ruby who basically organizes my entire life so that I know where I am and what I'm doing and then Liv who makes everything look gorgeous. So it's not a solo job, but content-wise, that is me. With the help now, the universe of newsletter writers is expanding as I find more people that I love their writing or people pitch me things and I will, you know, Mm. give them a little space in the newsletter. I feel like that's a space I want to move into a bit more. Yeah, and your your tone is very specific, and not only not only your writing tone, but your selection of news is very mm. specific. So the question is, how is it going to expand? I don't really, at this point, want it to expand staff wise I mean I love the idea of having regular contributors and other creatives that we lean on to make what we make come to life but in terms of the actual company right now we're a team of three but with like extended family members you know or extended workmates that pop in every now and then and That's how we like it because the whole job relies on us being able to put it down when we need to. It relies on me really enjoying it. There seems to be a fairly iron economic law that you either grow or 
you stagnate and die. But that's sort of almost like a biological rule as well, right? I don't want to make the business bigger into like for egotistical reasons, I don't think. I don't want to take over the world. I don't want to have everyone and their dog know who we are and what we do. I just want it to resonate with the people it resonates with and sort of hold myself to that. Always be like, well, Lucy, why are you doing this? Is this because you really want to? Is it because someone that you look up to has done it and you think you should copy that. So obviously you are making some revenue now. Mm -hmm. You weren't when you were just Instagram only. Now you are. How do you make money? So we make money through a few different ways. One, we obviously have our podcasts and our newsletter, which we sell advertising spaces within, but only with sort of partners that we could genuinely talk about and love on a podcast. It's got to sound and be really authentic. Same with the newsletter. And then we also have our Cisco supporters, which is our sort of subscription side of things, where if you just love what we do, you can come and support us and pay for the media you love. That's the slogan that we've adopted is normalize paying for the media you love. Because young people sort of haven't really had to do that. We haven't had newspapers or... I don't know, magazines even really. And our parents probably all pay for our Netflix and things like that. So I think we're trying to trying to get young people to realise that when we grow up and we get jobs and we have a little bit of disposable income that media is not a bad thing to spend your money on. And then we've had some funding from New Zealand on air before to make a web series. That was the first time Liv, Ruby and I had sort of left our jobs, used this money to to make a web series, and then we realised this can actually be our proper job because when we're all together, we know that we can make this platform work. Mm. And the contributions from the newsletter, how significant are they? The supporters, I don't know what percentage they make up, but they would probably pay a, a salary for a year at the moment. They're incredible I love every single person that I meet in real life that tells me they're a Cisco supporter I'm just especially if they're young it just bewilders me if I was 18 I'm 23 now or 24 I'm 24 now (laughs) if I was 18 I don't think I would have you know I've paid for a New York Times subscription or paid for a newsletter that I love so it makes me just my heart soars every time I meet someone that actually does Mm. Lucy, what's the hardest thing that you've ever done? Oh, pro- honestly, the hardest thing I've ever done is probably just every single day that little bit of anxiety that runs through you when you post anything to millions of people because the world is the world can be quite unforgiving sometimes. I think our audience is lovely because we always talk about cancel culture and we always talk about how we really think cancelling is unhelpful but treating situations with grace understanding context all of that good stuff is helpful so I have huge faith in our audience that should something go wrong or be taken out of context they'll be lovely but Oh, there just is, you actually said before, it's a bit like walking on a tightrope each day. And it truly, it truly is. You just have to sort of put it out of your mind. And I will say that 
I make so many mistakes, but I actually think there's something really, really amazing in a low stakes era, which I do all the time, like really, really low stakes mistakes. Like I will, oh, every single newsletter has a typo because the whole platform is about sort of reacting to things and, you know, I don't have time to get someone to proofread this at 6am. But I think, one, it's good for our platform to make these low stakes error because it shows people that we're very human, we are just like you. Two, can be quite good for engagement. If I make a mistake in a newsletter, like I copy and paste the same thing twice or I leave out a story or what did I say? I said that Hugh Grant was in the prestige instead of Hugh Jackman and everyone I had about 50 emails saying Lucy it's not Hugh Grant and it's just it's really good for engagement to do like a low stakes era so that kind of thing I've really lent into it's now sort of part of my brand but then there are times when maybe I will use a word that we shouldn't really use anymore and I'm so more than happy to change my vocabulary to not hurt anyone like there's so many synonyms in the world I should do that but it does make you feel like oh shit like I knew that I shouldn't be using this phrase anymore and I get a lot of people often very they're very kind but they do say things like oh Lucy you know instead of using this phrase which offends this community or really hurts this community why don't you use this one and then I always you should always just put your pride aside or whatever and I will write the next day in the newsletter what I've got wrong and then what I like I've done about it. That's a brilliant attitude to to making mistakes. You can't do anything without making mistakes, so you need to learn how to deal with them. The other thing is that corrections just make great content. So where are you heading? What's the where's Where's the Lucy Blackiston tour bus heading next? <laughs> well, hilariously, we actually are doing a uh, should, should care about road trip from the top of or Auckland down to Dunedin because we. I really just want to talk to young people and uni students and just anyone interested in the world around them and sort of grow the newsletter by getting lots of young people to to care about how they read about the news and think about the news. So we are quite literally having a tour bus going down the country. That is so back to the future. And I think like the actual goal at the moment is just, I don't know, get as many people reading and loving what we already do and make the products, products we already have sort of shine rather than continue expanding. So yeah, also venturing into TikTok, but more as a brand thing not as a information area, more as just a we are here, we understand and we love the platform, but I'm not yeah. going to be making informational content for it at this yeah. point, I don't think. Yeah, interesting. And it, yeah. just briefly, why no informational content for TikTok? Because it is still sort of a swipe past it and it's gone forever and I don't really like the idea that in my days that are already really packed – I will be spending three hours making a TikTok that will just be gone forever incredibly quickly. I'd rather put that into a newsletter or a podcast that people will be able to go back and find. Lucy, thanks so much for talking to me today. That is uh, absolutely fascinating and I'm really looking forward to that, uh, that tour. 
<laughs> so am I. And thank you for having me. This has been blissful for my Tuesday. That was Lucy Blackiston. I'm Hal Crawford, and you've been listening to Crawford Media. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to keep enjoying the podcast, would you mind spreading the word? My business model is based on growth too. Thanks and goodbye for now.